Back with the WMAY Morning News Feed. I'm Greg Bishop, 740. We've been talking about the vaccine mandates that's come down from Governor J.B. Pritzker for healthcare workers, educators, and college students. Yesterday, we talked with a Springfield District 186 teacher who's on unpaid leave for not complying with the mandate to show her vaccine status or submit to regular testing. There's actually two uh, Springfield School District employees that are on unpaid leave for not complying with that. Uh, But we're seeing that across the state, different school districts are reacting differently to this. Uh, of course, you've got the testing questions and how they're setting that up. Are they going to be working through the U of I's SHIELD program? A couple of weeks ago, we heard that hundreds of school districts are signing up all at once, uh, causing a bit of a bottleneck uh, when it comes to implementing the testing. Uh, so that uh, we'll have to get an update on here soon. But uh, school districts are handling this differently. Uh, as we saw in Springfield School District, two employees on unpaid leave for not complying with the mandate. Uh, but just down the road in January, Jacksonville, uh, the public school district there, uh, handling this a bit different because of some unanswered questions and a little bit of gray area. Uh, And we're joined now by the school superintendent of Jacksonville, uh, Steve Potasik, who is uh, uh, talking about a letter that he published on Facebook that he ultimately sent the governor and the Illinois State Board of Education uh, asking for some more clarity. So, uh, Superintendent, thanks for taking time with us on the WMAY morning news feed. I guess just give us the rundown of what your letters all about. Good morning. Well, the first thing I want to say is that the letter definitely is not talking about the substance of the executive order. Uh, We have been successful through this COVID pandemic staying in school because we stay in our lane. We don't make medical decisions. We ultimately don't make legal decisions. We contact our attorneys. And our attorney on this issue um, states that the cloudy, you know, the gray area you're talking about is, is very real that uh, a claim under HCRCA uh, could result in an, in each individual claim being up to a half a million dollars in, in penalties and definitely a couple hundred thousand dollars in, in, uh, in attorney's fees, uh, even if you win. And uh, I've been at several conferences with other law firms that also have, have reinforced this unknown uh, aspect and so I specifically wrote a letter to the governor and to the ISBE saying that I do not feel that when there's a mandate from the state level that the burden of defending that mandate should fall on your local districts. And therefore, I've asked them for several things they could do to help us in our defense when a lawsuit would come our way and until those, some, those things or something like that that our attorney feels puts us in a better defensible position occurs – uh, we are not going to exclude for those individuals who've made a claim under HCRCA. And HCRCA is the Healthcare Right of Conscience Act, enacted back in 1998. And I saw this pop up a couple of months ago, and uh, people back then were brushing it off, saying, "Oh, the governor's executive order uh, supersedes this." Uh, and I'm not asking you to to judge whether or not that is the case, uh, but ultimately, you're saying that uh, there's there's gray area there that attorneys recognize is there uh, with the conflict between the governor's order, uh, ISB's order, and the IDPH recommendations versus what's on the, the books with the, the state statute, the uh, Health Care um, um, Rights of uh, Conscience Act. So, uh, again, talk about, I guess, what uh, what ultimately you're hearing from some of your employees. Uh, have, have some brought this forward as the, uh, the HCRCA as, as a reason why they, they feel like they're not going to comply with this? 
Um, I will say that we have received a letter from the one law firm that's in the area sending letters out about this claim. And therefore, we do have a realistic uh, expectation of there being a lawsuit if there were to be an exclusion. I think I also have other employees that are fully in support of uh, the vaccination and the testing mandate and are concerned that uh, with, with our decision. But I think uh, I've been able to put those at rest by where, it, in the end result, it ended up being a very, very small number of our individuals making that claim. Um, so, and our numbers are, are, are good. Our, our COVID numbers, especially with our staff, I think we had three staff out out of 633 employees due to either quarantine or isolation. And it wouldn't be quarantine anymore. Sorry, he didn't do that with the executive office being excluded or isolation. And um, so we're not feeling as large of an impact with our staff. We have more students out. So I think right now everybody feels it's the right decision to defend the taxpayers of our community, and we're just waiting to see. I think the governor in an executive order could come out and clearly state that this supersedes during this uh, uh, pandemic, uh, HCRCA. And the question we have is why hasn't he done that? That he, he did respond to us by changing it from quarantine to exclusion following the Adams County and Macoupin County cases, but those school districts had to defend his executive order and IDPH's guidelines. And I don't think that's right. That should have, the defendant should have been the state and shouldn't have been the local, and they should have done what they could have done to help protect the local districts, and they didn't. They have done it since then, but lesson learned, do it now. We're talking with uh, Steve Potasik with the Jacksonville Public Schools. He's the superintendent there. Uh, and uh, a letter that he published on Facebook that he sent to the uh, governor's office and to the Illinois State Board of Education asking for clarity uh, in this gray area between the governor's vaccine mandates or testing order uh, and uh, the, the Health Care Right of Conscience Act, uh, which has been on the state books since 1998. Um, Steve, you, you, uh, you published a letter. Uh, have you heard back from the governor's office? Have you heard back from ISBE? And what's uh, the response been from other superintendents you're familiar with? I have not heard anything back, and I don't expect to. I, I sent it out late Friday, and this is Tuesday morning before we even you know officially started the day. So I, 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 I'm not expecting them to respond that quickly. So I hope to hear something within the next week. Uh, fellow superintendents, I, I've received very little communication, but the communication I have has been uh, very supportive and understanding. And uh, I do know even one of the organizations, one of the individuals, one of our organizations we're involved with asks if uh, she could share that with other superintendents. So I think it's an area that, that a lot of superintendents don't necessarily want to jump right into because worried of consequences. Uh, my board was fully supporting that right now, we need to defend our taxpayers' interests. And ultimately, uh, you're, you're putting out there a couple of suggestions for what the governor could do or even what the legislature could do. One you already outlined right. a bit here is to put out an executive order clearly uh, stating that uh, this in a time of emergency uh, supersedes the uh, uh, the HCRCA. Uh, but uh, there's a couple of other options you put out there. Uh, explain those to us. One of them is that the legislature itself could actually change the HCRCA. It's, a, it's law. So that, that, that's a possibility. They could amend that to talk about it not taking place during a pandemic or however they, they feel. And the last one at the minimal and probably the most 
probable one is that if we were to receive one of those probation letters that a lot of school districts got when it came to not following the mask mandate, which I want to acknowledge, we passed a mask mandate before the governor even mandated it. So we are supportive of what's keeping our what keeps our staff and students safe. Um, but if they were if we were to get one of those probation letters, then we would immediately write to them how we will comply. But our attorney feels that that is evidence that it is not the school district's decision. It's the state decision, which puts us in a more defensible position. Steve Potosik, the, the uh, Jacksonville Public School Superintendent, greatly appreciate you taking the time and explaining uh, your letter a bit more here. And uh, we'll definitely uh, reach Thank out you. to see if there was a response or maybe get your reaction if the governor um, does indeed uh, issue a new executive order or if the legislature, uh, which comes back next month for fall session, uh, if this is going to be something that they do take up. And I will say the Senate President's Office did respond to me yesterday and said that uh, this is an issue under review. What that means, Okay. not sure, <laughs> because I've heard that before on a bunch of other things. So uh, we shall see. Uh, Steve Potosik, thank you so much for taking time with us this morning. Be safe out there, okay? All right, thank you.